The following audio is from The Grove Church. For more information about the church or to listen to previous sermons, visit our website at grove.church. Um, hey, we're going to be in Jonah chapter 1. Uh, we're going to be in um, Exodus chapter 3 and then um, Isaiah chapter 6. So we're going to have it on the screen. If you're looking for those, you got a Bible, you can definitely turn to those places, but uh, we'll walk through it here in a little bit. This is a series called Dangerous Prayers. And today we're kind of wrapping it up, uh, the last one of the series. If you miss any, you can always go back and listen or watch online at grove.church. Click on the media link. But um, dangerous prayers in particular, the whole idea is obviously that it's not safe prayers. It, it, it's you know, not, not this idea of what God can just do for us. And of course, JFK said about our, our nation, ask not what you know, your country can do for you. And I would say the same is true when it comes to our faith in Christ. Ask not what God can do for you, but what you can do for God. So as we navigate a series called Dangerous Prayers, the idea is, is that we walk through search me on week one. We talked about stretch me, Lord, work in my life in week two. Last week in week three, it was break me. And today we're talking about, Lord, send me. And so um, I understand on one hand, when we pray this idea, you know, Lord, send me, for some of us, there's a few, I started heading to you know, church at 16 and a half, going on 17, others have grown up in church. That idea of send me, even at 16, 17, 18, was a scary prayer in particular, because what happens is we get this idea, Lord, send me, and all of a sudden you're in Baghdad, or all of a sudden you're in Siberia, or, you know, Africa somewhere having to eat a certain food that you never would consider eating. And so that prayer feels like a dangerous prayer. On the other hand, if you do what I do, I watch shows like Beachfront Bargain Hunt and uh, Island Hunters. And I'm like, Lord, send me to that place. You know, like I got palm trees and white sand and all that stuff. And you know, like, boy, ever seen these pictures of Bora Bora? Maybe you've been there and yeah, I'm jealous, but it's like this place where there's white sand beaches and there's palm trees and there's big docks that go out and there's yurts on the water where your floor is glass and you can watch fish swim around. Like send me there, Lord. Or some of you are even going, you know, I don't care if it's Disneyland or Disney World, God send me and I'll go by all means, I'll be a missionary to Disney, you know, anyway, but um, it's easy when it's that kind of thing, but it's obviously way more challenging when it's, like I said, Siberia or, you know, somewhere north Alaska, somewhere or whatever, but um, we have people in this room, some of us have been, you know, different continents, different places in the world, whether it's vacation related or it's work related, or maybe it was missions work and you've taken certain trips. Let, let me just say this, a little bit of a sidebar, but not really. I am a huge fan of everybody that has the physical ability of going on some kind of mission trip going. You, you need to at some point at least go on one trip somewhere that gets you out of your comfort zone, that gets you out of what you're familiar with, especially language barrier, even better. Like it just makes it more challenging, but there's something about taking steps like that, that open your heart and your mind to a whole new part of life that you're kind of missing out on. So that being said, we need to not forget the call of Jesus. And the call of Jesus, as we've said in this series is go therefore and make disciples. Now let let me be clear about this. When Jesus says, go make disciples, he's talking to the disciples. What we tend to do is go, okay, the disciples there were the apostles. Jesus is talking to the apostles, so it's up to the apostles to go make disciples, and hopefully they did their job. Or we say, well, modern day, you know, disciple, apostle, okay, I guess that's church leaders, and, and didn't you take some classes to go make disciples? So that's your job, and that's why you're here, pastor. And that's not it at all. The idea of go make disciples is for all of us that would say we're followers of Christ. 
If you've given your life to faith in Jesus, if you've said yes to what he's done on the cross, if you've said, forgive me of my sins, I want to start fresh with you, if you've taken the step of water baptism, then we're reminded it is our commission. It's not just that it looks good on a bookmark or knit on a pillow and put it on your bed or on your couch, great commission, but it's a commission. It means you and I have been purposed to accomplish something that God had in mind. There's no doubt in my mind that Jesus is calling every single one of us that would say we're his followers to go help make disciples, to love others and help them see Jesus. The question becomes, though, what about our response? And I'm going to give you three responses. And what I love about the Bible, and we read through it every year as a church, we challenge everyone, read through the Bible plan every year. We put it out there. You read three, four, five chapters a day. Depending on the day, you read the whole Bible each year. Okay? And I'm going to give you three different spots. But what I love is the Bible doesn't just give you the pretty little story, the flannel graph, and the nice little everything happily ever after. It gives us kind of the raw and the nitty-gritty and the, the, the challenging all the time. And I want to show you this here in Scripture. Jonah chapter 1 is, is uh, one of these responses that, that we have to what God says in the Great Commission. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. Now, Jonah is a prophet of God. Anybody ever seen the Veggie Tales version of this? Okay, and immediately you're like, Jonah was a prophet. Never really got it. true. Anyway, so, but yeah, you can watch it. But, but the, the whole idea for Jonah is like, he's a prophet of God. God has sent Jonah to go and proclaim the word God gives him to the people he's sent to. Now, most of the time, Jonah was sent to the nation of Israel, challenging them to repent of whatever sin. So go to this city in Israel, go to that city in Israel, go there, go there. And over and over, Jonah would go. This is a little bit different because God says, I want you to go to Nineveh. Nineveh would be what we would consider full of idolatry, even enemies of Israel, people that Israel would not have liked. May have been some conflict there. And so here's Jonah's response. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port, being Tarshish. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to what? Flee from the Lord. Now, clearly Jonah's a prophet, but his theology is a little messed up here because you and I are well aware you can't flee from the Lord. As my wife mentioned in, in Dangerous Prayers, Search Me, Psalm 139 reminds us, if I go way over here, God's there. If I go way over here, God's there. If I go way down to the depths, God is there. So here's Jonah trying to run away from the Lord. His response is simply this, here am I and I'm not going. And you and I can easily get that way. We say, God, here I am. I'm available for you. And God says, great, I want you to fill in the blank. And we go, nuh uh I'm not doing that. And whether it's fear, whether, and maybe you didn't know this, for Jonah, he didn't like those people. I'm not going to them. I'm not going to that group. And now many of us in this room would go, well, now I'm not a racist. That's not me. But I want you to stop and think about it a minute. Are there certain types of people? Are there certain groups of people that you kind of put a label on? A certain kind of people you have less patience for? A certain kind of people you're willing to whisper to those that would never say anything public about what they do or how they behave? And maybe, you know what? Maybe it's not a people group. 
Maybe it's just a group at your workplace that you just kind of don't like. They all get along and talk a certain way and you don't get along with them and so it's them. And what if God said to you, go and reach them. Go and share my love for them. Go and ask them what you could pray for them about. Is it possible that there are people in your world that you may not call it racism or bigotry about a whole people group, but it's easy to realize in the recesses of our own heart we harbor something that doesn't have the openness to a certain group of people, and whether it is a race or a gender issue, whether it's, a, again, a group that you, you know but you don't get along with, or it's a family member with a certain label, that what if God said, I want you to reach them? Would you do what Jonah does? Here I am, Lord, and I'm not going. That's the first response. The second one is in Exodus, and, and I'm, I'm going to read a bunch here. Exodus chapter 3. This is Moses, and so the Lord is talking to Moses. The Lord said, I have indeed, this is chapter 3, verse 7 of Exodus. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I'm concerned about their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites and Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, Jebusites, and Pepsilites. And now the cry... I was just seeing if you're paying attention, so... Welcome. And now the cry of the Israelites has, has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. And this is where the great big butt jumps in. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you, and this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Moses said to God, suppose I go to them and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? What am I supposed to tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are saying to the Israelites, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, and watch this, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, the name by which I am to be remembered from generation to generation. Go, assemble the elders of Israel and say to them, the Lord, your, the God of your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob appeared to me and said, I've watched over you and I have seen the misery you've had experienced in Egypt. I've promised to bring you out of your misery in Egypt into the land of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites, a land flowing with milk and honey. The elders of Israel will listen to you. Then you and the elders are to go to the king of Egypt and say to him, the Lord, the God of the Hebrews has met with us. Let us take a three-day journey into the desert to offer sacrifices to the Lord our God. But I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless a mighty hand compels him. So I will stretch out my hand and strike the Egyptians with all the wonders that I will perform among them. After that, he will let you go. God's not done. And I will make the Egyptians favorably disposed toward this people so that when you leave, you will not go empty-handed. Every woman is to ask her neighbor uh, and any woman living in her house for articles of silver and gold and clothing, which you will put on your sons and daughters, and so you will plunder the Egyptians. Pair 
paragraph after paragraph of God saying to Moses, let me give you the whole, let me map this all out for you. Here's all that needs to happen. Here's what I'm asking you of the Israelites, of the elders. Here's what the Egyptians are going to do. Here's what I'm going to do. And as you continue through the book of Moses, all this is fulfilled. Now, for you and me, there's things that we go, God, would you just show me and I'll do it? And here, God maps out years of his plan. And you and I go, God, if you just show me your plan, I'll do it. And yet here's Moses, and he's shown the entire plan, and here's his response. What if they don't believe me? If I'm God, I'm like rolling my eyes. Are you kidding me? Moses! Moses, it's me. What do we got to do here? What if they don't believe me or listen to me and say the Lord didn't appear to you? Then the Lord said, what's in your hand? A staff, he replied. The Lord said, throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground, and it became a snake, and he ran from it. Then the Lord said to him, reach out your hand and take the snake by the tail. Oh, heck no, okay? That's, that, I put that in there. That's not in here. So Moses reached out, took hold of the snake, and it turned back into a staff in his hand. This, said the Lord, is so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, has appeared to you. Then the Lord said, put your hand inside your cloak. So Moses put his hand into his cloak. When he took it out, it was leprous, white as snow. Now put it back in your cloak, he said. So Moses put it back into his cloak, and when he took it out, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. Then the Lord said, if they don't believe you or pay attention to the first miraculous sign, they may believe the second. But if they don't believe these two signs or listen to you, take some water from the Nile and pour it on the ground. The water you take from the river will become blood on the ground. Moses said to the Lord, O Lord, I've never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you've spoken to your servant. I'm slow of speech and tongue. The Lord said to him, who gave man his mouth? Who makes him deaf or mute? Who gives him sight or makes him blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, he says it again, go, and I will help you and will teach you what to say. Chapter 4, verse 13. But Moses said, if I'm God, it's like, just wring his neck. What's wrong with you? But Moses said, oh, Lord, please send someone else to do it. Jonah says, here am I, and I'm not going. Moses says, here am I, send someone else. It, It makes you crazy, and he brings up Every excuse in the book, do you do that? That God says, oh, I know who lives across the street. Why don't you go over there and and express some grace towards those people? Oh, I know who those coworkers are, and especially the one you don't like. I want you to go and, and express my grace towards them. I want you to build a bridge with them, love them, even though they're hard to love. God says, I want you to go, and maybe it's across the uh, continent to the nations, or maybe it's simply somewhere in the city or community that you live in. God says, go to Moses, and Moses says, wait a minute i'm a nobody moses says hey i don't know how to explain you well enough how many of us have used that one? Oh man i'd really love for my family to hear the message of the gospel and man i wish i could call pastor nick and have him show up but that'd be weird because it's a family reunion he's not really family you know yeah <laughs> i don't know what to say i mean this jesus thing but i i'm not sure i can explain it well enough moses does the same thing 
I don't know how to say it. Then he goes on. He says, what if they don't believe me? And then he begins to get, but I'm slow of speech. I can't talk well. Even if I know what to say, it's not going to come out right. And finally, he just simply says, just send someone else. And God goes, he goes, don't you have a brother named Aaron? All right, go get your brother and now go, please. And they do. Here am I, and I'm not going. Here am I, send somebody else. And we finally get to one that's a good response. Isaiah chapter six. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, angels, each with six wings. With two, they covered their faces. With two, they covered their feet. And with two, they were flying. And they were calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook at the temp- and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, Isaiah cried, for I am ruined. I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the angels, one of the seraphim, flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin is atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, here am I, send me. Isaiah's response, and you have to understand if you've ever taken on the reading plan or if at any point you've ever read the book of Isaiah, Isaiah did not have an easy call on his life. The nation of Israel had been steeped in sin and and he was called to go to them over and over and over and tell them, you've got to repent. Otherwise, this nation is going to take you over. Otherwise, this group is gonna lay siege to Jerusalem. Otherwise, this is what's going to happen and your destruction will be imminent. Over and over and over, Isaiah had to prophesy among persecution and yet his call to God as God said, go was, here am I, send me. And so for Isaiah, and I want you to see this as clearly as possible, what Isaiah needed and what you and I need to fully surrender to God, number one is this, verse one, a genuine experience with the presence of God. There's something about for you and me that, listen to me carefully, we don't just gather to play church. We don't just come and and that was nice and, and we go home and we feel better about ourselves or we check off a spiritual box. The idea is that we come and, and my hope is that in worship and in the teaching of the word, we're challenged by the Holy Spirit to, to lay aside certain things that convict us. God, forgive me for that sin that we bring before God, things that maybe are our addictions or patterns of rebellion in our lives we go, God, would you, would you take that at the foot of the cross? That we hear the voice of the Lord saying, step away from that pattern in your life or step towards this habit in your life or these people that will build you up and we respond. The idea is that you and I live in obedience to the work of the Holy Spirit so that his spirit can flourish in our lives. And for Isaiah, he has this encounter with the living God that changes his trajectory because his response is, here am I send me. 
26 years ago in this facility, I had an encounter with God, not familiar really with church, been a few times and did the candle thing on Christmas Eve as a kid in different churches. And I knew certain things and I always had some random belief in a higher power. But for me, and I feel like this is crazy and I've said that before, I had an encounter with God in a missions meeting where a cute girl invited me to church and I'm not a fool. So I said, yeah, I'll go. And we go to a missions meeting and before a church service, and, and it's there that, that at the end of the meeting, I'm just sitting there, and the pastor at the end says, if you guys, everybody just stand up, and let's raise our hands and surrender. We're going to pray for this missions trip, and I'm just being respectful. I'm like, okay, you know, I don't know what this is, but I believe in a higher power, so sure, I'll do that, and it's then that I had an encounter with Jesus that changed my life, and I've shared that before, but to me, that marks the end of one life and the beginning of a whole nother. I, it goes back. I had a genuine encounter with the presence of God that was so real that when I told this friend about it later, they said, you got to make a decision now, serve him or don't. But now you know. That was that. That's another thing is, is a couple of nights ago, we had something called Grove Collective on a Wednesday night. And the whole idea is let's come in, in an extended period of time. Let's just worship together that as we sing the words that we were singing on Wednesday and we sing them on Sundays as well, that those words would not just be words where we're trying to hit the right notes so our neighbors think we sing good around us. But honestly, so that when we sing those words, those words pierce our heart that we mean them, that we care about the never-ending reckless love of God, that we care about his presence in us and filtering through us and laying down what we need to lay down. I believe it's important for all of us to have a genuine encounter with the presence of God. And that's what Isaiah had, verse one. I saw the Lord high and exalted, seating on a throne. The train of his robe filled the temple. And then I want to make mention of verse 3. The angels were saying to each other, holy, holy, holy was the Lord God Almighty. They weren't repeating it because the angels needed Q-tips or hearing aids. It was repeated because in our, in our Christian theology, in the Bible, when something is repeated word after word like that, it means like this, holy exponentially multiplied by holy exponentially multiplied by Holy. In other words, God is so amazingly, powerfully, wonderfully holy that it produces something in us that we're about to get to that was Isaiah's response. Number one, a genuine experience with the presence of God. Number two, which results in a genuine experience with our sinfulness. Isaiah's response in verse five is, I'm undone. Isaiah's response is, woe to me, woe to us. We're a people that are unclean, our lips, our speech, all this stuff. We're filthy. And they see, he sees the presence of a powerful, holy God, and he can't help but to be undone. And that's what God does in us. If only we could see the picture of our filth. If only we could understand how, how, how bad we are. It's not to bring condemnation or make us feel so horrible, but the reality of how holy God is, is even a great life pales in comparison to a holy God, woe to me, a genuine experience with our sinfulness, which leads to a genuine understanding of God's grace. See, the, the beauty of the gospel is that we're not left undone. The message of Christ, even as Isaiah says it in chapter seven, he's going to paint the picture of a, of a virgin birth. In chapter 53, 800 years before Jesus ever came on the scene, in the manger in Mary and Joseph, Isaiah 53 said, there's going to come a suffering servant for you. Isaiah said it. 
But the beauty of it is, as you, as you look at the story in the Gospels, and as it continues through the book of Acts, and Paul writing to the churches, it's the message of forgiveness, of grace, through faith in Christ, not working for our salvation, but receiving it as a gift from a God who loves us. See, we can start with a, a genuine experience with God's presence, but that leads to a genuine experience of our sinfulness, which then in turn results in a genuine understanding of God's grace. But now we're going to get to number four, which then means we have a passion and a a willingness to go when God says go. See, here's the thing. We we can hear the message of the cross of Christ that Jesus paid the price on the cross for you and me and we need to hear that message and we need to be cut to the heart and we need to respond, God, forgive me of my sin. Cleanse me, let me start new with you. I invite you to to cleanse me and, and I want you to be the Lord as I move forward with my life. We take the step of getting baptized but if that were the epitome of it, then our lives might as well be over. Great, now I just gotta wait for heaven, I guess. But that's where Jesus steps in and says, my commission is your commission. What what I did, you need to continue, not by dying for people on a cross, but by letting them know they can find life in Christ. Jesus says, go. Isaiah's response is, here am I, send me. And God wants our response to be, here am I, send me. And we can say all day long, but they won't understand. They may not get it. What if I can't explain it well enough? All the things Moses tried to say. Here's what you need to know. It's our obedience, not their response that matters most. It's our obedience. I'm not here to make people believe. I'm here to help people see Jesus. God, send me. My daughter and I take her to school every morning. She doesn't quite drive yet until the fall. Jesus, help us. Anyway, um, <laughs> sorry, a uh, little bonus there. Um, but I, I, we drive to school every day. And, and every, every night before she heads to bed, I say, hey, tomorrow, 10 and coffee. It's our podcast that we don't really have, but I call it that because I got one hand on the wheel and a co- cup of coffee in the other hand. And we talk on the way and we listen to some music and um, stuff like that. And, and, but every time I, I'm driving her, as we get closer into the school, before I drop her off, I pray for her. And every single day in different ways, I pray, yeah, that God would touch the students on that campus. Yeah, that she'd pay attention and learn well because she gets to get an education and that's, that's, that's no small thing. But I also pray and every single time I pray, God, let the light from this girl shine to this campus. See, on one hand, we're, we're on the stage here today celebrating graduates and that's awesome. But you know what it means? It means the passion for the light to shine is handed down to the next generation of people in school. God, would you shine the light through young people that that go out there all the time. And whether they're at an elementary school or a a, a middle school or a junior high or a mid-high Cavalera, anyway, or a high school or whatever it is, that that somehow that that, that light would shine. And that's my prayer every single time I drop my daughter off at school, as kids are walking by, as kids are parking, getting out of their cars, as I drop her off and say goodbye and I look at her every time, I love you, have a great day. 
But every single time, God let your light shine through her because she's not just there to get an education, just like you're not just at your job to get a paycheck. You may look at it that way, and you may hate what you do, and you may go, I'll show up, and I'll do the work, and I'll get the paycheck, and I'll go home, and I'll keep a meal and a roof and heat and a bed, and that's fine, but it's more than that. You are commissioned. I don't care where you work. You're commissioned to shine the light. I don't care where you live. You're commissioned. Oh, I don't like where I live and I can't wait to move. Even still, you're there. It's an apartment complex or condo units or houses that are right next to each other or you got plenty of space or whatever it might be. God has you there and your purpose is to shine the light. That's what we do all the time. I don't know what you're doing this summer. You got family gatherings and places you're going to visit and people you're going to see. God, let your light shine through them to whoever they're going to visit, to wherever they go. That's the commission that Jesus gave us. God, send me. See, the whole thing about this series is that I believe it sets the stage to do this as effectively as possible. In part one, God, search me. There's stuff in me. There's things that maybe I'm not aware of. God, get to the depths of what's going on inside of me. God, work in me. Stretch me, part two. God, I don't want to live in a comfort zone. I want to take on this adventure thing. I want to be what you've called me to be, and if it means stepping out of the boat, Jesus, help me. I want to do those things. Last week, the tough one, God, break me. That's not a fun prayer to pray. But God, I want to be broken of my own ways, things, thoughts, vices, so that I can be as effective as I can for you so I can get to the point where I can effectively say, God, send me. Maybe it is on another continent at some point. Maybe it is somewhere else you have no idea what the culture's like. But maybe, just maybe, It's the place you're going to drive to tomorrow or take a bus to tomorrow or somebody's going to give you a ride to tomorrow to show up and work, to show up in a class. You got the day off, show up at a supermarket. God, here am I. Send me. That's the prayer that I believe God wants us to be able to pray. Whether it's right where we're at in the communities we're a part of, or it happens to be across the world. You see, it's ironic this comes up right now, and as I wrap this up, we're in a world right now as a church where we're going, God, we're, we're experiencing some kind of stuck here trying to figure out how to continue to reach people, but God send us anyways. And Lord, I don't know what's going on with the property. I know that we've got this hang up and this petition or whatever you call it, and, and, and so we're trying to figure out what to do, and there's a giant delay that we don't know where the end is right now. I don't have that answer, Lord, but send me. Send us as a church. That some church calls from Redmond and says, hey, you know, we're, we're considering, you know, that, that we need, you know, would you take us over? And we're going, God, if that's your window for, for us to be sent to make a difference, then God, by all means, then send us, Lord. That we've talked about the multi-site conversation and, and planning campuses at some point because the goal isn't just to be here in this city. We believe in, in, in ministering all over our county and God calls us to that, Lord. I don't know what it looks like, but God, send us. And you're going to find out here in the coming weeks, dear Jesus, I don't know how this is going to work, but we believe you're doing something bigger than we might have imagined and sooner than we ever thought. Okay, God, send us. Do something with us. 
Like I said a couple of weeks ago, we're not going to wait three and a half years to figure out how to get to expanding what we want to do here. Okay, we may delay. Fine, great. But we're still going to reach people. Amen? Father, I pray today for all of us that the prayer is absolutely a corporate prayer. God, send us out as a church, whether we talk about the surrounding communities we're a part of. God, this Redmond thing, we're going, Lord, just want your wisdom here. The expansion of the facility to, to, to make room, great. So corporately, however you want us to make the difference you call us to make, then do it, Lord. Obviously, emissions, missionaries we support, or, or God, the fact that we got some trips this summer, and God, send us to those places to shine your light. But also individually, that we are the church. The church isn't the building. The church isn't, isn't an address. Technically, it's not even some set of beliefs while our beliefs are important. The church is us. And I believe because your heart breaks for this world, ours ought to too. And maybe for some in this room, we're jaded against certain people. Maybe for some, it is the word racism. You know, ultimately, that's racism. I treat certain people that way because they come from that background and that whatever, or we just have these presupposed ideas. Well, I'd never treat someone bad, but I sure believe this about them. Or maybe it's just that group or that person that rubs us the wrong way and we just are frustrated about it. God, instead of our response being, here am I and I'm not going, or, or here am I, send someone else, let our hearts always be in that place. Here am I, send me. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Grove Church Podcast. If you want to keep up to date with us, like us on Facebook or sign up for our e-newsletter at grove.church.